Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive. And the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwood. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your host, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. What's up? Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Wow, what a show we got tonight. One of the craziest days in the NBA that I can remember. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here. Tuesday evening, we'll get into the Nuggets game, of course. The Nuggets fall to the Jazz 118-108 in Utah. Their seed still up in the air. A lot of crazy stuff happening with the Oklahoma City-Houston game. The Trailblazers squeaked out a win over the Lakers, keeping Michael Malone's master plan alive for one more day. We'll see what happens uh, Wednesday. But, I mean, where to even start with this day? I can't remember a day outside of maybe free agency or the trade deadline with so much stuff happening, hitting us from all angles left and right. What about Magic Johnson's press conference? Because I I think it's still going on, actually. (laughs) We should probably wait for it to wrap up. (laughs) Magic Johnson steps down as president of basketball operations of the Lakers, what, 20 minutes before the Nuggets tipped off against the Jazz? I'll admit, I didn't watch much of the Nuggets and Jazz first quarter live. I was watching Magic Johnson laugh, cry, really go through a wide range of emotions in what will go down as one of the craziest press conferences of all time. Here's a little peek behind the curtain. For an executive like that to call a press conference unannounced before a game is unheard of. That's pretty much unheard of in our profession. It just doesn't really happen unless something big is going on. And for him to just step down like that, I mean, I was trying to run through the top five moments of that presser before we started recording. He didn't tell Jeannie Buss. He didn't tell LeBron James. (laughs) He said throughout the press conference that one of the reasons he wanted to step down was so he could tweet at NBA players again. He couldn't do that when he was the president because of tampering and whatnot. One for the ages. 
D'Angelo Russell is having a remarkable season, exclamation point. Yeah, he, he wanted to get those tweets off. He called D'Angelo Russell immature with the Lakers, but now he is mature with the Nets. This is one of the, the most incredible tweets I've ever seen. This is from Dave McMenamin. Magic Johnson has cried. He's laughed. He's speaking completely off the cuff and taking any and all questions. A remarkable day in Lakers history. <laughs> it is. I mean, in a season where a lot of crazy stuff has happened, Draymond Green and Kevin Durant yelling at one, one another on the bench, Markel Fultz just forgetting how to shoot for a second straight season. There's been a lot of crazy shit happening in the NBA this year. This probably takes the cake, right? Yeah. This is the most wild thing that's happened. Right. I mean, I, I just absolutely can't believe it. And, you know, if, if you're a Nuggets fan, this is probably funny in the moment. Like, get these jokes off while you can. But, man, you know, long term, this might be a bad thing for the Nuggets and Western Conference teams in general because the Lakers, this might force them to, to sober up and get a little competent, actually. That's the thing about this series of events today. I'm sure this means Rob Palinka's out. Who knows about Luke Walton? But this is probably the best thing for the Lakers in the long run now. Yeah, I mean, what is Rob Palinka going to say? Like, Genesis predicted this? Well, whatever he's going to say, uh, he's going to try to say it poetically, symbolically, metaphorically. I read this in Genesis. It's happened before. This is the end of this, but yeah. just the beginning of the next. Yeah, and then your boy Alex Caruso almost lifts the Lakers <laughs> to an improbable victory over the Portland Trailblazers. We'll talk about that in a second. There is a lot to get to uh, in the NBA tonight. I swear we will get to this Nuggets game and the ramifications and what's ahead for Denver, what's on the line Wednesday night at home against Minnesota. I wanted to give you the floor for a second, though, because your boy, Dirk Nowitzki, steps away from the game. Well, he's got one more game to play, right? But his last home game for the Dallas Mavericks here Tuesday night, what were the range of emotions going through your head when, when you were watching that ceremony after the game? Well, that was so well done. I mean, Mark Cuban and the Mavs did it right, bringing all those just freaking legends in to say a few words about Dirk. I mean, Barkley was there. Bird was there. The Rain Man was there. I think that Barkley and Bird both hit it on the head. They both made the point that Dirk really left the game in a better place than he found it. You know, Dirk came into the NBA in the late 90s, and I thought that was perfect because I think, you know, a big, a big part of Dirk's legacy is, like, just because you're tall doesn't mean you have to play down the basket. And, mm -hmm. you know, Dirk being this, this jump-shooting big and, and Don Nelson unleashing him, it's just made everybody so much more imaginative. Right. Like, I wonder if we'd be at this point where Giannis is, is playing point guard and, you know, Nikola Jokic is Denver's de facto point guard in the half court and this era of positionless basketball, if it wasn't for Dirk Nowitzki, I wonder if it would have taken a lot longer I mean, Dirk was, was kind of the guy who really nudged us in this direction. And I think he did away with a lot of European stereotypes, too, that were attached to him when he came in the league. And he shed a lot of those. It took a while, but he finally did. I think Dirk's championship, and I think that obviously changed his entire outlook on his career and how he'll be remembered. I'm not sure if there's one player who will be remembered so much for a championship. Imagine if he didn't win that ring. He's not going to be regarded as one of the all-time greats, but since he got that ring, I feel like it really elevated him as much or maybe more so than you know, any other player that was searching for a championship to add to their legacy. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, the perception of him completely changed. I've talked about this before, but in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, there was a radio station, uh, a popular show that I used to listen to. It's a great show. They created this song called The One and Done Boys and played it right <laughs> before the Mavs ripped off that championship run in 2011. That was kind of how they were regarded as, oh, well, they got close to that one time in 2006. But other than that, I mean, they're always disappointing in the first round. So absolutely change the perception around Dirk. I mean, maybe is the most popular athlete in Dallas Fort Worth area ever. I mean, certainly on the Mount Rushmore, but maybe more popular than those nineties Cowboys, which is, right. is just ridiculous that you can even say this. So I'm, I'm so happy for him, man. And I mean, we didn't even know for sure. Like we all suspected it. There were a lot of clues that he was retiring, but he didn't even officially say it until tonight. And you can really contrast that with Dwayne Wade and a lot of other guys. And, you know, that's fine if they want to do that. And, and, just make it a show in every city they go to. But I respect Dirk that that wasn't his style. I mean, he was, he was really about the team. He didn't give a shit about the fanfare. Right. There's two ways you can go out in your final season. You can go out how Dirk and Tim Duncan did, or you can go out how D Wade and Kobe did. You know, you can go out with the fanfare. You can kind of go out under the radar. I have a lot of respect for guys who go out like Dirk and Duncan did. But, you know, honestly, if you want the fanfare after a career like D-Wade or Kobe had, I can't be too mad at you. I actually saw some tweets coming out after the game. I assume this was after a post-game presser with Dirk. He says he didn't actually decide if he was going to retire until a few days ago. I don't know if I believe that, but I just thought that was interesting. Well, after everything that, you know, crowds around America have done for you and everything the Mavs did for him tonight, there wasn't much of an option. And right. if, you just, the thing. if you just watch him play this year, too, I mean, the joke is that Dirk is a mummy in, in his late stage of his career. Well, he was really a mummy this year. Like, the, the guy just couldn't move anymore. Yeah, it was tough watching him. It was emotional for me, too, man. Dirk was one of my first, like, favorite players. I was kind of a late arriver to the NBA, to be honest. I didn't really get into the NBA too much until, like, 2010. And the first finals I really got into was that Dallas-Miami finals in 2011, the first year of the Heatles, and, and they went up against the Mavericks, and Dirk got the championship that year. I was rooting so hard for Dallas in that series, I remember. I hated Miami. I bought into the fact that they were the villain. I hated that Heat team so much, but I was rooting so hard for Dallas that year. I was so happy Dirk got that. Dirk is just one of the most incredible stories, too, in, in NBA history. I mean, this his personal trainer Holger Gershwinder was a great German player growing up and he was kind of this this mad scientist in a lot of ways after Dirk lost the championship in 2006 him and Holger basically just went to the Australian outback and mm -hmm. like drank whiskey and camp for a month to help him forget about it and get over that loss I mean he's just a, a really interesting dude yeah last thing on Dallas for me I've always felt like and this is kind of tying it back to the Nuggets if the Nuggets were going to win a championship here, I've always felt like it would have to come in one of those weird years where you're kind of in between dynasties or, or in between, you know, the, those elite, elite teams making their runs, kind of like that Dallas team was. It was right before the Heat, you know, really took over for those two seasons, seasons and won those two rings. And I don't know, maybe next year is that little opening I'm not saying the Nuggets are going to win a championship, but next year there's going to be that opening, I think, when the Warriors are on you know, a little bit of a downturn. I still think they'll be really good. I don't think you know, they're going to drop off the face of the earth by any means, but next year seems like that gap year. 
I think that's a really interesting point, and, and I agree with that. They're, because I do think they're similar to the Mavs, you know, in a sense that they have the one guy and a bunch of other pieces around that fit. Yeah, yeah, I, I really agree with that. Yeah, 2011, that was the first year LeBron went to Miami, and, and really the only time he'd ever stunk in the finals. So that, that was a strange year. And, man, I mean, one of the most improbable championships in NBA history. Nobody, nobody saw that coming. How about Jamal Crawford getting 51 points tonight in that game off the Phoenix Suns bench? I mean, come on. Just a freaking baller, man. Yeah. Jamal Crawford is one of those dudes. I mean, even when he's done in the NBA, like I feel like he's going to be hooping five times a week wherever he can find games. For sure. Let's hit a break real quick. We got to get to this Nuggets game, of course. Denver falls 118-108. A tough one to Utah, but... Uh, there's a silver lining here, and uh, it really didn't come to fruition until about 30 minutes after this game ended. But we'll get into it in a second. We got to take a break real quick. We'll be right back. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, with a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs a family-friendly atmosphere we have colorado beers on tap all the games on the tvs it will blow your mind with amazing barbecue welcome back to the bsn nuggets podcast presented by the green solution visit mygreensolution.com type in promo code bsn20 for 20 percent off your entire purchase harrison Wynn and christian clark here so on what was an unbelievably hectic night in the NBA, I feel like I could go on for two hours about Magic Johnson's hour-long press conference or 45-minute-long press conference. Uh, Denver falls to the Jazz, 118-108. Utah's third straight win over the Nuggets. Donovan Mitchell's third straight big game over the Nuggets. And he had some night. He goes for 46 points, 14-26 from the field, 13-16 from three. Is there a common theme here with Mitchell just crushing the Nuggets. I mean, is that a bad matchup for Denver, do you think? Or, or why is he able to go off against the Nuggets? Donovan Mitchell is just a great slasher and driver of the basketball. He's so shifty, especially in a night like tonight where there's three balls dropping in and you've really got to get up on him. Then mm -hmm. it's that much easier for him to go by you. I tweeted this during the game, but I think Denver's biggest weakness is still containing dribble penetration. I, I just think, you know, they've been better on the defensive end this year, but, but all their defensive issues really go back to that. Because Nicole Jokic, he's not a guy who can clean up mistakes, so it becomes that much more important for you to just contain ball handlers. And there was, it just felt like there were so many blow-bys tonight. I mean, it seemed like Donovan Mitchell was getting by guys at will in this game. Yeah, he, he really did what he wanted. I sent out a tweet during the game because Donovan Mitchell was getting a, a gratuitous whistle, I thought. 
I thought it was a little fitting to honor D. Wade that he was putting on his best 2006 Dwayne Wade impression uh, tonight, getting uh, some friendly whistles from the refs around the basket. But I agree with you. Nuggets could just not stop him on the perimeter, and, and it's been a theme with this team. It's one of the areas, areas where they struggle the most defensively. I mean, just think about the point guards that they've struggled to stop over the years. They've had some nice nights against Damian Lillard recently, but those pick-and-roll point guards could kill him, and... Yeah, Mitchell really had his way. Denver just didn't really make it tough on him at all tonight. And he was efficient, hit five of eight from three, got to the line, like I said, had four assists. Uh, he was the best player on the floor. And maybe my biggest takeaway from tonight is, thank God the Nuggets don't have to play the Jazz in the first round, which was on the table uh, heading into this game. If the Nuggets had won and then some things had uh, gone Denver or Utah's way over the next 24 hours, the Nuggets could have actually faced Utah in the first round. That would have been the one potential playoff opponent. I wouldn't be feeling terribly confident going into a series against. I think the Nuggets can beat the Spurs, Thunder, and Clippers. In fact, I'd pick them to beat all those three teams in the first round. The Jazz would be a toss-up, I think. Just It's a tough place to play. And Utah just, I don't know, they always seem to play the Nuggets tough. And Donovan Mitchell just seems to get up for these games. Yeah, Mitchell is is obviously a problem and god, I wouldn't want that series just to live with all the the Mitchell, you know, Denver had him, but then they traded him storylines that would just be nauseating. Oh god. Um and Rudy Gobert too. I mean, Ru- Rudy Gobert has has kind of developed into a Nuggets killer it seems like. He was a plus 26 in this game. Uh he had, he had 20 points. I mean, he's just everywhere. Nicole Jokic is one of the worst games I've seen him play in a Nuggets uniform. And look, we, we've seen this, that elite rim runners like a, a Clint Capella who just crushes Denver. You know, I would, I would put Rudy Gobert in that category, but a, maybe a half a step below Capella in terms of rim running. They really hurt Denver. Uh, I mean, guys can just go up and, and flush it. That's that's a weakness for them. Yeah, let's talk about Nicola's night because I agree with you. Probably one of the worst games he's played this season. Probably one of the more underwhelming games of his career. Two straight poor offensive performances against Utah. Back on February 28th in Denver, if you remember, the Utah Jazz beat the Nuggets that night, 111-104. Jokic went for 16 points on 5-15 shooting. Still had 13 rebounds and 7 assists, but he was really bothered by Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors really throughout that game, just did not look himself And that's one of the things I was really watching for heading into this one. You know, would he bounce back from that game? Because he seemed a little shook after that night. And he wasn't any better, obviously. He was, in fact, worse in this one. Only 16 minutes before he fouled out at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Just two points, uh, one of six field goals. But just seemed like Jokic was never really into the flow of this game almost. Yeah, I mean, for him to foul out in in 16 minutes, it's pretty hard to do that. And I think there were one or two that were kind of questionable there was one, I believe it was Mitchell, who just fell down and fell into Jokic. That was right. that was a pretty egregious one. But that was the D-Wade 06 impression. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Hey, let's not talk about that. <laughs> Sorry to bring up bad memories. Yeah. Let's stop that. Um, I think Jokic's sixth one, to me, I mean, well, that was with, what, six, seven minutes left? To me, that just looked like, I don't want to be in this game anymore. I agree. Because, I mean, it was a dump off to go bear, and it looked like he could have just stuck his hands up straight up and, and contested it. And I don't even know if Gobert would have made it, but 
he didn't need to, to swipe down that hard. It, to me, I thought it was him tapping out. Yeah, that was like a foul you give in the first quarter when you're on zero fouls or something like that. <laughs> That's not the type of foul that you give when you have five and you leave it up to the officials. Are you, are you worried about Jokic after this game? No. Why? Just because he had a night off and he comes back you know, refreshed and just puts up a clunker? Yeah, I mean, I was I was hearing about when he was in Portland how how much Jokic wanted to play, and he mm-hmm. was bummed that he had to rest. And I mean, he he did look out of rhythm, no question. I don't know how much that's due to just missing one game, but I don't know. I'm not that concerned, but geez, I would have liked to see him compete. Yeah, I just think it was a combination of Denver didn't really get off to a good start in this one. If you remember, they were down like ten points pretty early. I felt like, and he wasn't really getting his hands on the ball that much in the first few minutes of this game. Never really got into it there. Uh, got into foul trouble. And then Denver really made most of their runs, it seemed like, when he wasn't on the floor. Like Mason Plumley, he was on his best Nikola Jokic impression tonight. I mean, eight assists for Plumley, 10 points, eight rebounds. He was the more effective center uh, for Denver tonight. And the Nuggets played their better basketball when he was on the floor and not Nicole Jokic, or when both those guys were on the floor together. So, uh, no, I'm not worried about him. Uh, I think he'll bounce back here Wednesday against the Timberwolves on a back-to-back. Uh, Denver is, of course, what, 11-1 and on back-to-backs this season. I think he'll have a good game. I think the one concern about Nicola from tonight, if you're going to have one, is he just didn't look mentally into the game. And I don't know, like you said, if it had something to do with the fact that he didn't enjoy being sat the other night in Portland, or if Rudy Gobert isn't paying a lot of rent in his head right now. I don't think that's that, but he hasn't looked, he hasn't had that edge to him against the Jazz over these last two games. I guess, fortunately for Denver, they don't have to play the Jazz again. Jamal Murray, he kind of saved Denver in this one, I felt like. Started in the second quarter and then really kept it going throughout you know, you know, most of the end of the game. Missed a lot of easy looks in the second half, I thought. But uh, 22 points for him. And I think the takeaway with Murray is it seems like he's in a really nice offensive rhythm. Uh, at least he's scoring the ball here pretty consistently. You know, it's not always going to be on the most efficient nights from him. But he went for 23 against Portland the other night. He's had some nice scoring games recently. Do you think he's in a nice rhythm right now? And is that encouraging heading into the playoffs, you think? Yeah, I mean, really, ever since that that game against the Indiana Pacers where he threw up a clunker, I think Murray has been pretty darn good for this team. Uh, March 24th, Murray had four on two of 12 shooting, um, four turnovers in that game. Here are his numbers in that time, uh, in the eight games since. He's averaging 21 on nearly 50% shooting, shooting at 36% from three, five assists, 1.4 turnovers. So he's playing some really good basketball, and He's playing some consistent basketball, which is kind of the thing that we've harped on all year. You know, one night it seems like it's 35. The other night it seems like it's five. He's stringing some games together. And, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for Murray and Gary and Monte, then this would have been a lot uglier than it already was. Yeah, Malik Beasley as well. Like you said, I'm not worried about Jokic. I'm not worried about Gary Harris. I'm a little worried about Will Barton because – It's been something that I've been paying close attention to over the last couple of weeks. I really have felt like the Nuggets have needed to get Gary Harris and Will Barton going. Both those guys have been up and down since returning from their respective injuries. Gary Harris seems like he's in a nice rhythm right now. Second straight, really encouraging performance. Seems like he's attacking the rim uh, with confidence. 
He's exploding at the rim, something that hasn't always been the case this season, and we've hit on that a lot. It seems like his injuries have kind of zapped a little bit of his explosiveness. Seems like he's got some of that back now. Uh, he went for 15 points. He had a good game, I thought, but Barton just doesn't seem to have a rhythm right now. What's your concern level there with uh, the Nuggets small forward? Yeah, I, I am pretty concerned, and it's gotten to the point where I wonder if you know, at some point in their first round series, if Denver doesn't get off to a great start, is he going to get replaced? Is that a guy that Malone could look to, you know, insert Malik Beasley or, or Torrey yeah. Craig at that spot? I mean, Barton is really going through it right now. I saw that Malone told reporters after the game that, you know, he's trying to do different things to, to help Will Barton get going, but some of that's just, just on him. So it sounded like some frustration was kind of boiling over. Definitely. I mean, he was a no-show tonight, along with Jokic. That's interesting that you bring up, you know, could he possibly get replaced in the starting lineup? I would think that, you know, Denver starts out these first two games at home in the playoffs. The playoffs start on Saturday. I'm not sure if the Nuggets will play on that first night, but they'll likely either play Saturday or Sunday, I believe, here at Pepsi Center. I would assume Barton starts both those two home games, right? The first two games of the playoffs. And then, you know, maybe if those two games don't go to plan, you know, if, the Nuggets drop one, or, or God forbid, they drop both of them. Like I feel like that's when you could see potentially a starting lineup switch. He's the one guy who could get moved out of that lineup, right? There's, there's no way they would make a switch elsewhere, but they've got guys who could fill that role, I think. I mean, Malik Beasley was on fire tonight. He hit rim like three times the whole evening, potentially. Five of six from three. Uh, he's shooting like he's, you know in an elevator or whatever that expression is, in a box, in a rectangle? He is not only the, the prettiest jump shot on the team, he's got the best jump shot on the team. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm ready to say it. I mean, he has been unbelievable this year. I mean, there for a while, he was on pace to set the, the franchise record for effective field goal percentage. He has just been on one this year. I mean, he fell off that pace a little bit, but 25, 9 of 13 shooting. The way he just goes straight up and down now is is crazy. Like you just described, like he's jumping in an, in an elevator or whatever. I mean, his footwork and his balance has improved so much. I've I've had just had a blast watching Malik this year just turn a corner. Yeah, this second unit is so fun, right? It's been such a fun storyline to watch all season. I mean, Nuggets are set at point guard for the next decade with Jamal Murray and Monte Morris, who is just your perfect backup point guard. The only thing that would keep him from being the Nuggets' backup point guard is if he just got too good and, you know, went for a big contract elsewhere. But this bench unit just fits so well together all season. Mason Plumley included, who's had a great year. Uh, Torrey Craig, who thought he had an up-and-down night. I mean, the low point of Torrey's night might have been when he just elbowed Malik Beasley after Malik went up for that block. I think that was in the second half. Like, I was a little worried about him, I'm not going to lie, in the moment. <laughs> right. Sometimes Torrey is going so all out, he'll pull stuff like that. But, I mean, this bench, it should be a strength for the Nuggets in the playoffs, I think. And if I'm Michael Malone, I think one of the things he's got to keep in mind throughout the first round of the playoffs is, he needs to lean on his bench, and I think typically in the playoffs, you see coaches really cut down their rotation, but you know, if I'm Denver, I want to play my bench pretty consistent minutes. Maybe not as many as they play in a normal regular season game, but I want to lean on this bench because they've been really great all year. They have a great chemistry. They can defend. They can score. I mean, how big of a weapon do you see this bench being in the playoffs? Oh man, that's an interesting question. I'm I'm really curious 
how deep Malone is going to go going to go. I mean, do you see nine guys pretty much getting in every night come playoff time? I do. I see Malone rolling with a nine-man rotation. You know, the nine guys we think. Uh, the starting five and then Monte, Malik, Torrey, and Mason Plumlee off the bench. The only thing I, I think could derail Denver's second unit in the playoffs is youth and the fact that they haven't been there before. I mean, think about how young the Nuggets starting five is and how little playoff experience they have. Nuggets bench is even less playoff experience and is even younger. So that's probably my biggest worry with the bench. Yeah, I, I think that's legit. I mean, I, that's really a worry up and down the roster. Sure. <laughs> I mean, Paul Millsap, Mason Plumley are really the only guys who, who've got a taste of what the postseason is like. Um, so it's definitely a concern. You just don't know what guys are going to do when the lights are, are a little bit brighter. There's a little more attention. So, man, I'm I'm just ready for it to be here. I'm, I'm a little bit anxious. Right. <laughs> I think the Nuggets are too. Anything else from this game? I feel like we, we've hit on most of it. Paul Millsap struggled, 1-7 from the field. These Utah bigs, they seem to give Denver's front line a lot of trouble. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why. Well, I guess I I mean, have an idea, but I mean, for whatever reason, Rudy Gobert has, has gotten the better of Nicole Jokic these last two matchups, and it's just lo- interesting to look at which bigs Jokic you know, has a lot of success with and can dominate in which bigs he can't. I mean, Steven Adams and Rudy Gobert are, are two of the best defensive centers in basketball. I think Rudy Gobert is clearly better, but Jokic kills Steven Adams, but he doesn't get Rudy Gobert like that. And, you know, look at the difference between the two. I mean, Gobert is a little bit longer, but he's just more athletic. I don't know. I mean, Jokic just loves to, to get to that hook shot, and he thinks he can just shoot it over you, and most of the times he can. But I, I just wonder with Gobert, Maybe it's just not as easy for him to, to get to that hook shot, which is his yeah. kind of go-to around the rim. Potentially. I mean, it's not just Gobert. I went back and watched a lot of film from uh, these two teams' previous matchup where Jokic went 5-15. It was Derek Favors on him a lot of times. You know, Favors is long. He's strong. But we've seen Jokic have his way with those types of guys, too. How many dunks did Derek Favors have in this game? Ten. I mean, every time I looked up, it seemed like it was Donovan Mitchell to Derek Favors around the rim for a two-handed dunk. So the Nuggets lose to the Jazz, of course. They fall 118-108. A tough loss that seemed that it was going to have ramifications, playoff ramifications, post-game. But then the Thunder came out of nowhere to beat the Rockets. So I want to talk about what that means for Denver moving forward and you know, what to look for here on Wednesday. First, though, quick word from Houselift. Are you guys thinking about selling your house, but it's not in tip-top condition? How do you ensure you'll maximize your profit? If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. Get this, there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors to the design while managing these costs. So here's what you need to do. Head over to their website or Facebook page, both at houseliftcolorado.com. Check out their incredible remodels that Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from fifteen dollars to $60,000 more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today. Find out what Houselift can do for you. And finally, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they will sell your home 
without charging a listing commission. So make sure to check those guys out at Houselift. So this almost seemed like a devastating loss because the Nuggets almost were assured of the three seed tonight if the Rockets were able to beat the Thunder, but OKC trailed in this one by like 10 points late in the fourth quarter. They mounted an incredible comeback. They end up beating the Rockets thanks to a Paul George buzzer-beating three, and the irony of that is maybe on the night where Nikola Jokic falls out of potentially the three spot in the MVP conversation, Paul George walks right into it. Uh, But anyways, now the Nuggets control their own destiny for the two. That's the important thing. If they win on Wednesday at home against Minnesota in the regular season finale, they get the two. I mean, how much did just that Thunder win kind of change the mood of this whole game, do you think? Oh, it's huge for Denver. Uh, I saw that Nick Kosmider and Mike Singer, who were down in Utah, they said everybody in the locker room was paying attention to that game. Yeah. So the Nuggets, yeah, they're they're paying close attention to this seeding, and <laughs> that really mattered to them. Uh, I mean, it, it was huge for Denver because as bad as they look tonight, if, if things break right for them in the playoffs, I, I think this team can rip off a, a Western Conference Finals run if, mm-hmm. you know, Houston and Golden State are on the other side. Yeah, so that's the big thing to take away from this one. Nuggets control their own destiny for the two. And also, Mike Malone's master plan of resting his guys in Portland and maybe looking back on it, tanking that game was the wrong word, but how I'd revise that is I would say, I don't think the Nuggets were too upset that they lost that game. I think that's how I'd like to phrase it. But if Portland is able to beat the Kings tomorrow and the Trailblazers snuck one out uh, late tonight, right before we started recording, over the Alex Caruso post-Magic Johnson-era Lakers, they barely beat them uh, thanks to, I think, a Mo Harkless corner three, really similar to the Paul George shot, actually. They beat the Lakers. So if the Trailblazers beat the Kings tomorrow and the Nuggets also win tomorrow, the Rockets will slip to the four, the Blazers will be the three, and the Nuggets' master plan wins out. They would avoid Houston and Golden State until the conference finals. How about that? And here we are again with uh, another Game 82 against the Minnesota Timberwolves, <laughs> and it's pretty significant. Not as significant as last year. They're still going to be in the playoffs either way. They can do no worse than the third seed, but yeah, this is pretty funny. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns didn't even play in Minnesota's last game, so I mean, I don't even know if they're going to trot him out. Right. very winnable game for Denver. Both teams are in a much different situation from where they were a year ago. They've gone in opposite directions, and we've talked about this before. The Nuggets trending upward, the Wolves trending downward. Minnesota will come here looking for a president of basketball operations. I wonder if their future Pobo Chauncey Billups will be in the crowd Wednesday night. But yeah, they are kind of looking for a direction here, and the Nuggets, they have a direction. So it'll be interesting. I think it would be a little fitting, though, to, to win this game 82, to lock in the second seed in the West and do it against the Minnesota team who ended the Nuggets season. But I mean, in reality, we know that loss was the best thing for Denver in the long run. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, Denver just, just staying the course, it really worked out for them. Um, there's still a, a, a slight chance that they're going to face Oklahoma City. I mean, I guess if they lose, the odds are that they will. But assuming they can get by uh, 
probably depleted Minnesota Timberwolves team. It's looking like it's either going to be San Antonio mm-hmm. or the LA Clippers, depending on how those games go tomorrow. Is there one that you would rather face from a Nuggets perspective? Does it matter to you? Yeah, I looked at all three of these teams uh, on bsndenver.com. A quick playoff preview with one key matchup that could define and decide the series. You can find that on the website right now. That went up Tuesday morning. I still think it's the Clippers. I just think they're a good team, and they can get rolling uh, when they're hot. But I just think the Nuggets are so much more talented than them. The Clippers aren't anything special defensively. I think the Nuggets would have no problem scoring on them. It's not like you're going into L.A. I mean, other than the L.A. nightlife, it's not a tough place to play by any means. It's not like the Clippers have this imposing home court advantage, uh, again, other than the L.A. nightlife. I I think that is still the preferred matchup. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, just because I'm so worried that just about the Spurs execution and, and pop throwing a bunch of mind tricks, the nuggets way and, and really switching it up and doing crazy stuff with how they're going to defend Jokic. I mean, I, I have flashbacks to that game where they doubled them and, and Denver really struggled in that one. So yeah, I mean the, the pop factor is probably the most significant and, and Denver just can't seem to win in San Antonio either. <laughs> right. That's the biggest thing for me. They've lost 13 straight games in San Antonio tough place to play. So I would say the Clippers are most favorable, but I would say the Spurs are second and the Thunder are third, even though the Nuggets have handled the Thunder easily this season, four to zero. I would rather play the Spurs. I think talent could win out in that series. San Antonio isn't great defensively either. Denver has held Paul George in check over the course of this season. He's only shooting something like 41% against the Nuggets this year in those four matchups, but I'd be curious to see if they could have that same type of success in the postseason. I don't think Nicole Jokic was was ever going to finish third in MVP voting, like even before tonight. I just I just don't think that you know, I think voters around the country, not necessarily in this region, continue to underrate him, but if there's any doubt Paul George is definitely finishing ahead of Nikola Jokic now. I mean, Nikola Jokic just absolute stinker tonight. Paul George was the freaking hero. So I'm kind of wondering if Jokic is going to finish in the top five. Who do you think is third? Do you think it's Paul George? I still, I still think it, it's Jokic, to or be is honest. It, well, I, I mean, I, I do too, but who do you think will finish third? Do you think it's Paul George or insert Golden State Warrior here? I think Paul George is going to finish third. Uh I actually think Embiid will finish fourth. Okay. And maybe a Warrior will get fifth. Okay. Yeah, Embiid seems like he could be a trendy pick in that top five. Yeah, we'll see. All right, I think that's all we got for tonight. Hectic day in the NBA. Tuesday, April 9th. A lot of stuff going on. We hit on a bunch of it. Uh, We didn't hit on some stuff, but, yeah, we only got so much time tonight. Nuggets fall in Utah, but they still control their own destiny for the two-seed in the Western Conference, we'll see what happens Wednesday at home in the regular season finale against the Minnesota Timberwolves. We'll have a podcast recapping that game as well. Talk to you guys then. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. 
Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wish I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.